This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to lean a little bit more towards making yourself successful, and we're going to have a great time with this guest today. I love what we're going to be discussing, especially right here after the first of the year, because it pertains kind of to our mental health to, you know, things where we might have issues and, you know, winter and holidays and all of those sometimes aren't the best. So it's great to be able to talk with someone who is an expert in this field who can maybe help us through some of these issues and really help both ourselves and our businesses be more successful. So please join me in welcoming Pat Armistead to our program today. Welcome, Pat. Oh, thank you so much. Really exciting. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you know, if you can't tell, Pat is from Australia. I love this. I love having my foreign <laughs> guests. And the really funny thing is we have two in, in the span of about two weeks. So, um, you know, we obviously have a big following in Australia. And more importantly, it means I just need to go visit and do some live broadcasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will jump into this discussion. So it's hard to believe there was a time when Pat Armistead was not glad to be alive. You see, Pat is no stranger to grief and loss. She lost her first child, a daughter named Willow. She lost her business and home twice in four years. She avoided bankruptcy by repaying $80,000 in two years. She had 10 car accidents in 18 months, none of which were her fault, she has assured me. She is also a cancer survivor. What I didn't share uh, with her is that I am also. And her family did not speak to her for 20 years. Her partner of 20 years left with another woman, but rather than succumb to depression, she chose another path. That path led Pat to creating herself as the world's first joyologist. Dr. Rick Coleman says, Pat Armistead is New Zealand's answer to Patch Adams. She has also been likened to a spiritual midwife, delivering people out of the darkness. Initially a registered nurse, she is now a multi-award winning speaker who has toured internationally with Patch Adams. Over the last 17 years, she has amassed hundreds of stories as a result of getting present to her life. Today, she shares her signature story and elements she believes are key to building emotional intelligence and resilience. So again, Pat, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and lovely introduction. And it's, it's sometimes hard when you hear other people it is, um, and, and sharing it, your story. You think, oh, was that me? <laughs> I know, especially because... In this context, you know, we're talking, we, you know, we talked about the fact that you had some horrible, awful things that happened and it would have been so easy for you have just said, no, nope, I'm done. That's, that's it. Yeah. And instead you did, you turned your life around and not only did you turn your life around, you now help others. Um, but how did you really decide, okay, I, that, that I've been in that hole, that rabbit hole. Now we're getting out. Um, so, so what made you make this decision to bring joy to people? Well, I had been, I had been uh, down the rabbit hole and um, after <clears throat> my partner leaving, I, I, did, I spiralled down. Um, mm -hmm. All the other things, one way or another, I'd coped with. Um, but I thought we would grow old <laughs> together right. in a rest home. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that really broke my heart. Mm -hmm. and. So I eventually went to see my doctor and she wanted to medicate me and right. I said to her, well, I've been through a lot. Help me deal with my grief. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't the answer. When I left her, her um, surgery, I happened to hear about a grieving seminar that was mm -hmm. being put on at Starship Hospital in mm -hmm. Auckland, the children's hospital. Mm -hmm. and a presenter was uh, delivering a grieving program, uh, a man who'd worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross 
-hmm. And so I booked myself in for that. Um, sat in the front row because that's just what I do. <laughs> that's me. And, I'm, um, I'm always in the front too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's where everything happens. And um, there were 400 parents in the room who had um, lost or were losing children. Mm -hmm. um, so the energy is pretty poignant. Right. And um, the doctor delivered um, a great a great um, seminar. Um, he was there to support these parents to form their own groups once they left the embrace of the hospital mm. and went back to their own communities. Mm -hmm. And um, I sat next to a couple and they were really the pivot point, I think. Um, the lady just sat stock still for the whole program. She, she didn't move at all. Her hands were just on her knees. Mm -hmm. He, on the other hand, um, was very distressed and obviously so. He uh, hugged himself. He rocked backwards and forwards in the chair. Mm -hmm. Periodically, tears would come to his eyes and I could see his jaw clenching and unclenching. And I felt his pain like I'd felt no one else's pain ever before. Mm -hmm. I had 16 years nursing and um, stood by people in a lot of different circumstances, but there was nothing that compared to this mm -hmm. um, true true experience of where he was at. And at the end of the session, he went outside and I followed him. I'm that kind of girl, you see. <laughs> and um, comforting. <laughs> and, you know, said, you know, you're clearly something has been very fresh for you, would mm -hmm. you like to talk? And and so he shared and he had his 14-year-old son had fallen in the interior of a cinema complex. He'd mm -hmm. fallen several floors, uh, leaning on a balustrade and lost his balance um, and died as a result of the mm -hmm. fall. And it had been a year and he said, you can see my wife, she's just, she's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. We've got two other children um, and I'm a bloke and I can hardly manage my own emotions, let alone hold all this together. Mm -hmm. And we had this amazing intimate conversation for strangers. <clears throat> and when I went home from that event, uh, there was an email from a magician from South Australia who was inviting me to bring laughter workshops to New Zealand because mm -hmm. uh, I was living in Auckland at that time. <clears throat> and I just thought, this is just extraordinary. I've just left this room with 400 people in, um, you know, a lot of pain, and now right. I've got an email from a magician. <laughs> so to, to I, rang mm -hmm. <laughs> I rang him and <clears throat> his name was Peter Salerno and um, we talked for a good half hour. He had me laughing my head off, but he wasn't telling me any jokes. He was mm -hmm. telling me mostly about laughter yoga, which you may be aware of. Mm. And in, it was in the middle of that conversation, <clears throat> um, there was just a pause, a little pause, <clears throat> and the thought just came through, oh, my God, we've got radiology, pathology, Hematology, but no joyology. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a joyologist. So there she was born. <laughs> uh, oh, I love it. At that point, I had no idea what I was going to do with that. Mm -hmm. So there was quite a few weeks of um, running around, but in the end, I decided to get clever and I ended up doing two pilot programs in aged care. The mm -hmm. first one using laughter yoga and the second using um, multiple intelligence. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so over a 15-month period, I really got the opportunity to look at um, what I was going to bring forward from all my past learning and what I could craft mm -hmm. now. <clears throat> and uh, it was after that point really that the business began to grow. And by 2004, I had a really solid foundation. I had a good amount of IP. Um, I had joined the National Speakers Association, come through the ranks and uh, became president 
uh, entered many um, speaking award opportunities um, and won many, uh, including Speaker of the Year for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, and and from there, um, things just grew exponentially from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you clearly are an empathetic person with that nursing background. I mean, you know, it's so it's it's in you to help people. And, yes. you know, and, and I love that then you do it through bringing joy and bringing laughter. Um, yes. you know, and, and it's, you know, and, and, you know, we, there are places where we just don't think of having joy, like a workplace or, you know, a, a hospital, things like that. Um, yes. You know, and, and, but especially in a workplace. And, you know, we'll, we'll really focus on that, obviously. Um, those who, who know me, uh, you know, and, and as I mentioned, you know, I didn't have the, the chance to tell you I'm also a cancer survivor. And it's funny, you know, my doctors see me coming and they're like, oh, it's her again. You know, and, and I've been known to change my name. Now, you know, obviously when, you know, it's very very important. I don't, I don't give them a fake name, but um, and I tell them I'm Anastasia Beaverhausen. I just, you know, think that's fun. And they've actually told me that they hold off with the happy juice when they're going to knock me out because they enjoy talking with me. Um, you know, and, and I'm just having fun. I'm joking with them, you know, all those various things. And I, and I told one doctor one time, I said, you, you have, you deal in, in such a very serious place. If I can make you laugh, then you know, hopefully things will go better with my surgery. Um, but, you know, it, it is something where where we can, we want to bring joy. We want to bring laughter. Um, you know, and, and depression is a very serious thing, you know, and, and we don't seriously, you know, uh, you know, really don't want to make light of it. There are times where it definitely does take some medication, some counseling, you know, some, some things like that. But, you know, it, a workplace, let's, you know, I want to come back to that. We think, well, we have to be all business. We can't laugh. We can't have fun. So talk to us about how you work with companies to show them that, you know what, it can be a fun place to, to be working here. Yes, when, my, when I first began, um, I delivered mainly into the health sector because I thought, oh, that's going to be a perfect opportunity. I, I know this system really well, so... Uh, I know how I can work in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I quickly came to see if I really wanted to forge ahead, especially financially, then I needed to get into the business sector. Mm-hmm. And so I began introducing myself. And invariably, the kind of response I would get would be, oh, look, Pat, we're sure you're a really nice lady, but we actually have fun Friday after work. Right. Uh, so that was, you know, uh, 18 years ago. That's, that's <coughs> what we've allocated for the week is after work, an hour. <laughs> yes. And the, I think two things happened. I toured in 2004 with Patch Adams mm-hmm. and doing that tour through Russia's orphanages and seeing the stark reality of the level of poverty Mm-hmm. that um, these children were living in and the enormity of how many there are, mm-hmm. um, there are millions, um, really just gave me, it shifted all my perceptions and it just um, was that, for me, it cemented uh, the absolute certainty of this pathway. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, I'm so meant to do this. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, the... On that tour, uh, I really saw how we were bringing joy when, for these children, there appeared to be none. Mm-hmm. Um, like we would paint a mural and after we were gone, they would whitewash over it. Mm-hmm. So the joy was being removed on purpose from mm-hmm. these children's lives. So coming back, it just helped me affirm my place and have confidence um, to, you know, really lead. Mm-hmm from a position where very few, there are people, a lot of people now who present and talk about humour in the workplace, mm-hmm. but they've been pretty thin on the ground and um, there's a few other joyologists now. Uh, but back then, I believe I was the first, but mm-hmm. I didn't discover any others. So, you know, it was um, a bit weird. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. They, what, what are you doing? Huh? What? What are you doing? <laughs> My business initially was called the Department of Humour Resources. Oh, oh cute. I love that. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, the, 
Um, it took some time, but I ended up being invited to speak at a Chamber of Commerce function, mm -hmm. and I dared to call my presentation Engaging with Intimacy. Mm -hmm. And there were several women in the room from a law firm in Auckland, mm -hmm. and they came to me afterwards and they said, oh, we so have to have you come into our business. Mm -hmm. um, we're just starting a five-year client intimacy program, mm -hmm. and I'm like, no. Right. And, and obviously we're not talking about sexual intimacy. So no. define what you mean by intimacy because it is it's very important because it is it's it's an integral part of you know building relationships with clients and working together. So so define it for us. Yes. I think you know we've we've all grown up we've been taught to be polite. Mm -hmm. So you know we're nice to other people. And uh, we stay in this polite mode, which is not necessarily revealing or allowing any deeper engagement. Mm -hmm. um, so to be able to, and I did this all the years I was nursing, of course. We walked into a room and you had to be creating a really high trust environment mm -hmm. really, really quickly right. in order to do what we had to do. Mm -hmm. So transferring that across to the business area for me, it was about noticing mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the, the stiffness of how people engage in the workplace, um, the um, distance mm -hmm. uh, that they often hold from each other, even right. if they're working in physical close proximity, mm -hmm. um, and the little that they really knew about each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fast forward to now, um, the number of suicides in, I'm not sure what they are in America, but uh, here in Australia we have 3,000 a year mm. and uh, stress, anxiety mm -hmm. and suicide ideation um, are a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got to be able to be in conversation more than saying, are you okay? Right. Are you okay is great, but... And especially because we spend so much of our waking hours with the people we work with. And if we're just staying in our little box and not communicating and not sharing and not trusting and all of those other things, that, that really can be, as you said, very dangerous to our, our psyche. Yes. And, you know, the, while, ever, while ever we operate alone and separate, then we're not going to receive the support mm -hmm. that could come. And I just, as a leader, I've always believed in, um, it's like um, drawing, it's like having horses lead a cart. Mm -hmm. you, you draw it, you're tethering, you're holding all their reins mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and you're bringing the strings of all the horses into one one operation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, harnessing the unique talents mm -hmm. of those who are in the room can't be done unless you know the people um, in a deeper way. So right. a lot of my work has been about using good humour, and mm -hmm. by that I mean not jokes. I believe to be good humoured mm -hmm. is to be appropriately responsive or not, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but if you're not going to be you've got to really have a sense of and know where you can and can't go. Mm -hmm. So humour is a brilliant way to be um, engendering good mm -hmm. relationships and deeper relationships mm -hmm. because people won't enter a humorous space unless they trust. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and it, it is, it, it's a, a fine line because, as you said, it's not joking because jokes can go wrong very easily, <laughs> you know, um, you know and, and even if and when you mean well, somebody can misinterpret, you know, it can, it can you know, just, just all sorts. So humor is, it is very different than just telling jokes. Yes, yeah. The, um, while I was on my tour with Patch Adams, one day on the bus he said to me, uh, he was talking to me about his mother, um, who's a diabetic, mm -hmm. and she had had surgery and had one limb removed. And he was sitting there beside her, excuse me, as she woke up from the anaesthetic, mm -hmm. patting her head, and he's got a big booming voice. 
And he said, <clears throat> he said, well, Ma, now you know what it's like to have one foot in the grave. Only Patch could say that Mm -hmm. to his mother. Right. By merit of who he is in the world, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, an outrageous clown. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has a deep relationship, deep intimate relationship with his mother. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, for a stranger to come in and do that would be very offensive. Mm -hmm. You know, using our. Uh, our intuitive selves to know when we can and when we can't. And if we only know people very superficially, then we won't have a clue. Mm -hmm. And that's where often inappropriate things can be done, not with intention to do harm, but just through that lack of knowing Mm -hmm. about the other person and where they're coming from and... um, no, you know, knowing more about people lets you get, you know, you can have, I liken it to a game of tennis, you can have really good rapport mm-hmm. uh, batting the ball uh, backwards and forwards. There's great rapport. Um, and then within that, there can be some humour interspersed, which builds it. <laughs> um, and it, the humour is not a joke. It's, it's that good-humoured nature. Mm-hmm. That, that we all have right. to you know, one degree or another. Some mm-hmm. people uh, are much more good-humoured. <laughs> um, others need to develop the skill, <clears throat> but it can be done. Mm. Right. Some, some have such a, a wry sense of humour, you're like, was that a joke? Was it? Hmm. <laughs> I, and I actually really like people like that. It's like, oh, that's a good little zinger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the... Um, well, you know, I, t- I teach people um, about all the humour types. So a company I worked for um, last year, one of the, um, there were about 20, 20 board members in the room and um, I said to them, there was one gentleman who was really funny and someone in the group told him to be quiet <clears throat> and not do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I just broke the space and I said, let me just make a comment on that. And I talked about how valuable that man is to the group, mm-hmm. you know. He's the one person who has, has the capacity and the confidence mm-hmm. <laughs> to throw, um, you know, humour can yank us off the path. Right. So, you know, and into the bushes. So mm-hmm. that that having the courage to inject some humour, timely, (laughs) well-placed, is a wonderful gift that Mm -hmm. can, you know, defuse a situation um, and and it needs to be fostered, Mm -hmm. not squashed. Right. You know, and... And it does help us, it helps our soul, you know, is, is maybe the, the easiest way to put it, especially in tense situations. Um, I remember, you know, one of my favorite TV shows growing up was MASH. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and somewhere in there, you know, somebody said something, you know, to <clears throat> one of the characters, probably to Hawkeye, about you make a joke out of everything. And, and they, were, they were mad. You know, you laugh and make jokes about everything. And for once, he was serious, and he said, "We can either do that or we can cry all the time." Yeah, and you know, and, and and it does. You know, there are times where you you need that combination. You know, sometimes humor will diffuse something enough that then the true feelings can come bubbling out, and you can get maybe to the the heart of a problem. You know, and and some things like that. But you know, it, it is. You know, we 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 have to have humor. And sometimes, sometimes it does get a little inappropriate. Let's just be truthful about this, you know. But you know, we we really don't go there too often. You know, let's let's not do that. But you know, like the humor on Mash. You know, there were times where you were thinking, "Holy schmoly!" No, um, you know, and and but it really is something where if you don't <clears throat> laugh, you will cry. You know, and and so you use that humor to get through the situations. Yeah, and the. You know, the, <clears throat> my mentor in New Zealand was the MD of Saatchi and Saatchi, mm-hmm. Auckland, and he was such a genial man. That's why I chose him. Mm-hmm. And the, 
he's a friend through to now, so, you know, some 16, 17 years. And mm-hmm. one of the things he said to me at the outset, because I wanted help with building joyology, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he said, you know, Pat, they told Disney he'd never make any money out of making people laugh. Mm-hmm. And I just, to this day, so value that because there were a lot of um, deflectors, as especially in the beginning when I stepped out. Um, uh, speaking colleagues would say to me, because I had a kind of a signature hat and a signature look and mm-hmm. all based on the monarch butterfly, black and white, mm-hmm. um, and the transformative nature. Um, and, you know, the to stay committed to what you believe is your path in the face of a lot of disagreement around you is really hard. Right. So, you know, developing resolve, a belief in yourself when there's a lot of feedback saying, oh, you're never going to get any jobs in corporate mm-hmm. looking like that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I ended up getting 60 keynotes a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the it's not the truth. Um, however, if you're going to be a little different, then you do need to have that resolve. You do need to have the confidence and the courage um, and it'll wax and wane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but for me, there's just been so much of a change and a shift in the business world that, you know, what was true 20 years ago is not true now. So the um, one of the companies I worked with last year have a um, domestic violence program. Mm-hmm. They actually have 26,000 uh, staff. Wow. And they've implemented this domestic violence program mm-hmm. where people immediately can get access to <clears throat> a phone, a laptop, accommodation, mm-hmm. um, a whole raft of things, mm-hmm. and they don't have to submit a form and wait for days to... Um, get it approved, the system being designed to be effective immediately when people are in crisis. Um, And it's a predominantly male um, business. Mm -hmm. And I just loved (laughs) um, that they had created this space and the, you know, their, their understanding of the nature of what's going on in their people's lives is just extraordinary, Mm -hmm. especially given how many people they have? It's like, right. hey, you mentioned 26,000 anyway. Um, so, and the law firm, you know, that did the client intimacy program, mm-hmm. they, um, the staff were not necessarily ready to be doing that. They began with the ancillary staff and mm-hmm. created um, opportunities for them in the first 12 months to learn more about each other one-on-one and in small groups and um, then move over to the lawyers and the lawyers were pretty resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, they would say things like... They have oh, to stay professional. <laughs> you know, what's this word, intimacy? Couldn't we yeah. just call our clients friends? Right. Um, however, they persisted with the program mm-hmm. and at the end of that five-year period... Um, they were invited by Abu Dhabi to uh, open a firm over there. Wow. And the Abu Dhabians just opened every doorway, every passageway, the whole path mm-hmm. with such to enable that to happen with ease and grace. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking to the CEO, he said, Pat, it was all about who we were being. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, our professionalism hasn't changed. Lawyers still look like lawyers and carry their portfolio. Um, He said, but, you know, we're not using money as a leverage point to get where we want to go to access clients. He said, we're, you know, engaging just as you and I are now over a coffee Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, identifying problem areas and, you know, where it might be a match. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we start having kind of those smaller one-on-one or small group conversations and, and you know, maybe letting our guard down, 
that is where we learn more about how we can work together, how we can help that other person. Um, you know, uh, one of the guests that I had on, uh, oh, several months ago to my program, she was, uh, it, she made it a goal to meet a new person every week and share a cup of coffee with them and just find out, you know, and, and I mean, she met some of the coolest people in the world. And, and then she, of course, wrote a book about it. But, you know, she got so much out of those conversations that I thought, wow, that's very cool. Now, did I do it? No. But, um, you know, and in this day and age, we've gotten, I think, more insulated, you know, from even seeing other people. You know, we, you know, it's small business owners and, and entrepreneurs like myself and, and like yourself, you know, we're, we're in an office by ourselves. You know, if I want to talk to somebody, I have to talk to the cat. Um, you know, now the cat is pretty funny. I'll give her that. But, you know, and, but even when you're in an office space, you're in cubicles, you're, you know, you're in true offices with doors that close. And, you know, I've walked into offices before where every single door is closed and it wasn't uh, an office where they were needing privacy. You know, sometimes you have to have those. But, you know, it was, it, we've gotten to where we insulate ourselves so much that, you know, it, it, it's not healthy. You know, we're not laughing. We're not joking. And it's, you know, interesting because sometimes when you have that person who kind of starts that, they're looked at like, what's wrong with you? You know, no, 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 no. Go back to your little space. What are you doing? Um, you know, and, and so how do you encourage companies that have gotten into this mindset of we have to just work, we have to just be serious, we cannot ever laugh, we can't really interact, and heaven forbid we share uh, with someone? How do you really get them past that point to where, you know, they, they are working together so much better as a team? The, I think for me, it's all about the conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, listeners might be interested to read Judith Glass's book, Conversational Intelligence. Mm. Um, she talks about three levels of conversation. Mm -hmm. Level one, just simplifying, is, you know, a simple exchange. Would you pass the salt, please? Mm -hmm. Level two is a, a much more interactive conversation, might be sharing of ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but level three is transformational. Mm -hmm. So in a level three conversation, there's so much depth mm -hmm. and, it, and free exchange that something new can be formed. Mm -hmm. So being able to, I think this is where it comes back to having the courage of your convictions and... Um, in a lot of my presentations, workshops, facilitations, um, I pre-frame at the beginning um, some of what I'm going to say you may not initially agree with. <laughs> some mm -hmm. of what I'm about to say may well create an elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. It happens. I will notice it. <laughs> right. So, so I'll talk about it. And so if we're prepared to go to the uncomfortable place and Help people unwrap it. Mm -hmm. You know, when people are triggered by something, most often they retreat. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, being able to help them see what the trigger was, what's the underlying factor for you, and how's it, in, if it's impacting this conversation, then it's probably impacting others. Mm -hmm. And what could shift? Right. What, you know, what could shift and change? Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, over the years, it's taken me some time to really polish that, if you like. Um, there have been time, I remember one time presenting at a conference to 99 uh, men and one woman real estate conference and everyone's sitting in their suits with the left leg crossed over right, and their arms folded, and I'm thinking, ah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the body language is. alone told you this is not a fun group. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to like me. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I proceeded with my presentation and uh, there was one yeah, slightly confronting little activity that I get people to do and uh, I invited, demonstrated and I invited them, then I invited them to do it and there's silence. Like, Nobody volunteered? No. Um, so I actually let them sit in it 
Mm-hmm. Not, not for too long, mm-hmm. a couple of seconds. That's a long time of silence. And then I leaned forward very, very heavily into the audience and just in a kind of, you know, wicked little way said, you're not going to do it, are you? <laughs> and they always go, no. But I, I wanted them to get, they weren't prepared to engage. Mm-hmm. They weren't prepared. Right. And people don't realise. And the next, that that conference, um, I did the next in a series. And when I arrived, the organisers said to me, oh, Pat, come in here. We've had a, a dreadful day. Uh, one of our members last night um, suicided. He actually oh. hunted himself. Oh, dear. And um, today's just been awful. The other presenters have come and gone. Um, at morning tea and lunch, there was just the clink of cutlery and china. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking. It's just been an awful, awful day. And I'm on next and I'm meant to be funny. And you're thinking, oh, no. So I said, so how would you like to handle this? And Mm -hmm. she said, well, we don't know. She said, we're hoping you'd have an idea. And I said, well, I do. I said, well, when we go in, I said, I want you to behave as if you have not told me and Mm -hmm. tell me again in front of them. Mm, Okay. That that will then give me permission Mm -hmm. to speak into it. Right. To speak about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I did, and I just acknowledged um, the many and varied responses that might be sitting with everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I asked permission to um, give a prayer, uh, which I did. I just mm-hmm. made something up. And then I said, I've actually been contracted to come and be, you know, the last speaker and leave. have you all leaving on a high and do some, you know, a lot of what I've planned is mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> right. Um, are you okay if I proceed with mm-hmm. that? So there were nods and, and right. so I proceeded, but with a lot more sensitivity, of course. Mm-hmm. And about 10 or 15 minutes into the presentation, one of the men stood up and he said, oh, can I just interrupt you, Pat? He said, and he got his business cards out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. He said, all of us have on our business cards the title property valuer. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we called ourselves something different, whether we might have noticed more about our colleague. Oh. Our focus on property value mm-hmm. and valuing property. And it's in all of our language, it's in all of our, it's on our website and everything else. He said, and maybe because we've had that focus, we missed something. Mm-hmm that we might have seen. Um, So, you know, for me that was like, I didn't know, I had no plan to do Mm -hmm. that. But, um, you know, there was sufficient nursing background, et cetera, Mm -hmm. um, that allowed me to pull forward things and and create something. Right. And and I got a wonderful letter, full-page letter afterwards um thanking me for what I did that day so you know bringing the essence of ourselves is so restorative and mm-hmm. you don't have to be a, a healer or an ex-nurse or anything but you know bringing the essence of ourselves who who I am and who I'm being in the world bringing that to the conversation mm-hmm. is is what creates that connection mm-hmm. well and you know I love in the example that you gave you acknowledged that there was something horrible and awful that had happened. Um, you know, if you hadn't acknowledged that, it would have been disrespectful. It would have been weird. You know, all sorts of things. But it, you kind of let them work through that grieving process. And we all know that many times when we're grieving, humor ends up being one of the things that we fall back on the most. Um, you yes. know, whether it's that we remember something funny that that person did. Or, you know, which is frequently what happens or something happens at the, the service or, you know, when you're, you're thinking about it. And so we get through that tense moment, <clears throat> that, that hard, painful moment by laughing. Yes. You know, the, there was um, one piece uh, where I, I 
share a verse about the mask that we all wear. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I'd used it for all the other real estate events, Mm -hmm. um, but it just had double significance for this one. Mm -hmm. And um, the, you know, the the same, it was the same business (laughs) with all the men with the legs crossed left Mm -hmm. over right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, They're all part of the same larger group. Mm -hmm. But... we had a different experience which shifted everything, Mm -hmm. you know. I had intimate communion with those people Mm -hmm. in that room who had, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Really shared an experience with them. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And, you know, these things that have been happening to me just show me the the more I'm prepared to have the courage to you know, show up and be ready, mm-hmm. anticipate what could be possible, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it could, <laughs> um, right. then um, and be able to speak into that. So about four or five years ago, I dis- I wanted to have, I said to myself, I want another level of languaging. I want to be able to, I can express myself well on paper, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I want to be able to really do it well verbally Mm -hmm. and so i did nlp master nlp okay -hmm. um, neuro-linguistic programming Mm -hmm. yes uh arranged those programs not necessarily to use the modalities per se but Mm -hmm. more for um seeing the the detail Mm -hmm. of how we all behave and knowing now the like the neuroscience that happens in level three conversations, for example, um, has been demonstrated when we're having a level three conversation, um, tests have shown the level of oxytocin that is just pouring forth Mm -hmm. from the prefrontal cortex. And it's like when I read that and saw the illustrations, it was like, look at this, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're communing deeply, then there's this incredible feeling happening within us, mm-hmm. but we're creating that energy with those that we're with. Right. You know, and, and from a business perspective, when we're connecting with either the people that we work with or our customers, our clients, on that level, you know, it, it, it means so much. You know, it means that they're, you know, we've all heard the saying, know, like, and trust someone. You know, you you really just amplified that. You know, and even if it's, you know, a superficial type of of purchase, um, you know, we have a a chain of uh, fast food restaurants here in in the United States called Chick-fil-A. And they, you know, they are all told, taught, you know, all these various things. When they finish with a transaction, they say, it's my pleasure to serve you. And and it's funny, I notice if they don't say it, um, you know, and, and... and they they say it in a way most of the time where it's genuine you know and and so they're making that little connection and again you know we make connections that way we make connections with humor uh you know all of these various things and and it, because we make those connections then we want to continue working with that person um you know yeah. when it's we all know when we get blown off by somebody and we get bad customer service or you know that we ask a coworker for help and they're like yeah yeah no we're not going to go back to them again, you know, and, and that's really what it comes down to is we're like, nope, done, been there, done that, not, not going to go back. So, you know, developing that level of, you know, you used the word before and I'm going to use it again is intimacy really is what's important to making our businesses successful. Now, it's hard when you're, you know, the, the little one person shops like, like, you know, you and I, or even, you know, somewhere where you've got, you know, just, just a few employees, but we need to remember that we're interacting with people all the time. And you had, had written something in some of the material that you gave to me that I loved and I wanted to ask about. You have sent over 10,000 pieces of plaid <coughs> mail. What yes, do you okay. mean? That fascinated me. What is that? What do you mean by that? Well, it, it's a long story for how it evolved, but I was working with a, a company with, um, this is many years ago, back mm-hmm. around 1999, 2000. Um, who educated second-chance learners Mm -hmm. and the attendance rate was pretty poor and rather than follow what was company protocol, 
I started writing to those who came and I honoured, celebrated, congratulated. I wrote every student a one-page letter. Oh, wow. Um, that company for mm -hmm. two years and in that time frame wrote 2,000 one-page letters. Mm. When I left that company, the attendance rate was 85% and so are outcomes and I just saw the transformative nature of catching people doing something right mm -hmm. and honouring the good. Mm -hmm. And so I committed to myself, I'm going to send three pieces of glad mail every day. Wow. So it could be a card, it could be a letter. These days it could be a phone call. Mm -hmm. um, it could be at the supermarket, transaction in the aisle with the teller. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm just really, I've always got cards in my bag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so to be in the moment and, the, you know, I've created... I have a signature way of being. Mm -hmm. So I consistently do things that are have become part of my identity. Mm -hmm. I had a lady, first main big conference that I spoke to in 2001 in New Zealand, um, the organiser rang me just before Christmas and she said, oh, Pat, she said, I had to tell you, she said, I still have the bucket and spade you gave me when um, you thanked me for, you know, introducing you at the conference. Mm -hmm. uh, I often do that and I say thank people for letting me come play in their sandpit. Oh, oh how so, cute. <laughs> you know, using light, gentle humour mm -hmm. and honouring the good. So many people, there would be hardly any people who receive mail like that mm -hmm. so i even give it out in conferences i give out three pieces of mail at conferences to strangers um i just ask in the audience who needs to receive mm -hmm. and i've just sat in intention the night before what do people need to know from me mm -hmm. what need you know what do i need to be saying and i just let uh my intuition guide me mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it's always perfect people always mm -hmm. come and say how did you know <laughs> how did you know i so needed that mm -hmm. um and you know what does it cost us you know, we can get cards for 50 cents now right. mm -hmm. um it's not a huge investment um but you know you create we're creating a is a trail mm -hmm. you know and the good that we we don't know the good that we do. Mm -hmm. You know, I might create more good from that glad mail mm -hmm. than I actually do from a presentation. Sometimes, right? Yeah. Well, and sometimes, you know, it it might be the only good thing that happens to somebody that day. Yes. You know, and and which is you know just horrible and awful, and and we all hate to think about that, but it's true. You know, and that's why sometimes even you know if somebody smiles and says hey thanks or it's nice to see you you're like wow you know it, it, it wasn't that nice but i love this concept of glad mail where you know and, and, and as you said you're sending little gifts you know, just a little something that acknowledges basically that you're glad that that they're there yes <laughs> me i had a client quite some years ago <clears throat> and they had run out of money so they parked the project Mm -hmm. And after about six months, I thought, oh, I better ring them. And so I didn't ring. Instead, I saw this tiny little spinning top mm -hmm. and I put that in an envelope with a card mm -hmm. and the card said, <clears throat> I think you guys are just tops. Isn't it time we took your project out for a spin? Mm -hmm. I didn't sign it. Um, I didn't put in any identifying features on the envelope, like return address or anything, and I posted it. And here's what I want to emphasise. They knew who to ring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by merit of what I'd created before, they knew only Pat. Right. <laughs> send. Only Pat would send us something like this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So people say to me, oh, you know, a lot of people now say to me, how do you find the time for this? And it's like it's not about finding it. It's like an opportunity arises. Right. And it doesn't actually take that long. Mm -hmm. I still sometimes will do a one-pager. Mm -hmm. uh, I must admit I don't really have time now for, to do three one-pagers, but mm -hmm. 
if it seemed like it would be really of substance for the other person, then it will. Right. You know, and we find the time to play on Facebook, to, you know, to, to do all sorts of things that are, you know, a waste of time. Why not spend, you know, 15 minutes doing something that's going to make somebody feel good about themselves? Yes. And, you know, as human beings, we've become really good at fault-finding. Right. You know, our tongue is probably the best fault-finder in the world. (laughs) Everyone will know that at some point over the day, the tongue is you know, running its way around the teeth, looking for any uh, any food particles or, <laughs> you know, stuff in between the teeth. Um, and it, it also be, can become a vehicle for how we express. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from that fault-finding place. So, and that's part of our conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been, um, we've come through a system that um, conditions us to see the errors (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but you know there is so much about positive psychology um that um demonstrates when you acknowledge the good that you see Mm -hmm. repeatedly then people are going to migrate towards being that way Mm -hmm. so you know you don't need to work on the negatives you just foster the good and and you'll see a shift Mm-hmm. It's funny, you know, I, I would talk about, you know, Facebook. There's a meme that's been going around here in the United States, at least, that says something along the lines of, I really need to teach my face not to say what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how true is that? You know, where we, you know, the eyebrow goes up, you know, the, you know, all of these various things. So we might not say, oh, my God, you know, you're an idiot, but... They know by looking at us. You know, it comes back to you. Know, you were talking about the body language of the people at your, you know, at, at your conference. You know, we pick up on those things very quickly, and so you know, it's it. You know, we need to watch those things. Yes, and you know, like <clears throat> I was still a fairly new speaker mm-hmm. with those men in that room, mm-hmm. and the I know a lot more now about. All right, here's a hundred men with legs crossed and arms crossed. Mm-hmm. How can I get those arms open mm-hmm. so that they're open? Right. Um, so you know, there's a lot of a lot more skill I have now to be creating that and doing it fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, the keeping ourselves in this space of constant learning. No one taught me to manage change. Right. Um, and yet this last 20 years, it's like what's true in the morning is no longer true in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> how do we cope with that? How do we manage? And right. improv acting actually mm-hmm. helped me. Um, oh, that's right. You have taken improv. You talked about that in your book. <laughs> um, has been a boon to me. It mm-hmm. showed me um, because improv removes the filter. Mm-hmm. That filter that says, oh, you can't do that. Right. Um, it removes that filter. And, you know, the genius that you see in, you know, actors like whose line is it anyway? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, one of my favourite shows. Yeah. And how they interact and, you know, uh, play with each other mm-hmm. um, is because the filters have gone mm-hmm. and they just allow first thought. Uh, one of the first rules of improv is first thought is correct. Right. But that's not a rule we'd use in business necessarily. No, yeah, that could get you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, the, but it, it taught me um, to trust my decision-making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, the first impulse is usually the correct impulse. Um, yes. You know, we were taught that when we were taking tests. You know, if you, if you don't know the answer... What did you immediately think, oh, it's A, it's B, it's 100, it's, it's whatever? More than likely, there was a reason for that. Yes. Well, oh, my gosh, Pat, we only have five minutes left. And we didn't even talk about your book. <laughs> and so, you know, which I, I feel bad, but we're going to give people homework. It means they need to read it, and then we'll, we'll have you on again. Um, but, you know, it's – and you do – you have great programs, great services that you provide to folks. You know, I mentioned at the very start, and people can tell just by listening, that you are in Australia. 
do you travel? Do you do a lot of these programs on Skype? How do you work with people? Um, I love I, I love and have a preference for working face-to-face. So right. speaking at conferences, facilitating programs in-house or working one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, I've run different masterminds, which tend to be online mm-hmm. uh, and enjoy that as well. So they're probably my main things because for, for me, the, um, you know, I may well develop some more online programs that people can access, mm-hmm. but the, nothing can replace the personal relationship. Right, that, that interaction right. between people. Yes, yes. so that's, that's the biggie for me, you know, mm-hmm. to, to engage and engage fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be fully present to another mm-hmm. is a privilege. Right. You know, and, and I want to briefly mention your book, and, and uh, maybe it's a good thing that we didn't really get to talk about it because I want to encourage people to get it. And you have several books, but the one that I read was called Antizac, which is an acronym, um, but it's a joyful prescription for the unhappiness epidemic. And it, you know, you on the cover it also says it contains essential uh, components for humor and well-being. And, and clearly it's a play on it's not Prozac, um, it's Antizac. And, you know, as I was reading it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it was, it was a great book. It talks about how to use humor, whether it's, you know, in your, your workplace with your family, volunteering, whatever it is, you know, and because we, sometimes it's, it's easier my, you know, to be unhappy than to try and find the joy in things. And, you know, that's what I loved about uh, what you have and, and what your materials are is, you know, let's, let's turn that around. Let's, let's find the joy in things. Let's be happy. Um, you know, and again, there are definitely times where you're going to be sad, where, you know, there are situations, but, you know, we let ourselves get into those places. And then as my father would have said, we wallow in it. You know, we all, we love to be unhappy. <laughs> Let's love to be happy instead. Yeah. The, I, ha- I have a saying that I use. Um, we swing between grief and joy most mm-hmm. of our lives. Right. And the trigger for hope for when we move through those tough times is laughter. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, in 1995, Dr. Madan Kataria invented yogic laughter. Mm. So this is a fun you're having when you're not really having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a, a question I share with people when I talk about this is what happened to humanity that we needed to create pretend laughter? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Right. Yeah, the, the fake laugh. What the heck's going on? Yes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, it, it's had a wonderful restorative practice. There are thousands of laughter clubs around the world now. Um, so, you know, it, it's done what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, the very fact that it needed, that someone created it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, and there's health benefits of laughing. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, we didn't even talk about those. I mean, we didn't even scratch the surface on, on a lot of this. And, and so we obviously have to chat with you again. But, yeah, just think. You know, think about our own lives. When we stop and we laugh, and, and you know, it can be just that little huh, chuckle, you know, or that belly laugh that, you know, or, you know, maybe you're with friends. I mean, think about the times when you have been with friends and you have laughed so hard that the next day it felt like you did 100 sit-ups. You know, those, those are such great times, and it does so much for our mental health and our physical health when we do things like that. Yes, yes. You know, it's a, it's a welcome reprieve. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of serious things going on in the world. You know, let's, let's be honest about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some, often we can't do anything at all about them. You know, we read about them, we think, oh, my gosh, how tragic. But, you know, laugh where we can. Yes. Well, Pat, how do people find you and connect with you online? Um, At the moment, still on my New Zealand website, um, Mm joyology.co.nz, or you can find me under my name on Facebook or Mm -hmm. my Joyology page on Facebook. 
Perfect. Well, we've got just about a minute left. So what would you like to leave our listeners with? I've been plagued by self-doubt all my life. I've got about 20-odd certificates, all of which were sought in order for me to, you know, am I good enough now? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're all uniquely designed. We've all been given unique gifts, talents and strengths and we are here to bring joy, not just into our own lives but into the lives of others. And the ways and means by which we do that are not complex. I love it. And we're going to leave it with that. I've been having a delightful time getting to know Pat Armistead. I'm Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a wonderful, joyful day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.